0: Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4.09 here in northeast Pennsylvania, 29 degrees, and most uh, mostly sunny outside as the sun uh, is about to set. Uh, I'm honored to bring on my next guest, Captain Kevin Miller, U.S. Navy retired. Retired Navy Captain Miller is a third-generation naval officer. He graduated from the University of Mississippi and was designated a naval aviator in August of 1983. In his career, he flew the A-7E Corsair II and F-A-18C Hornet, deploying overseas six times throughout the 1980s and 90s aboard the aircraft carriers Nimitz, Dwight D. Eisenhower, George Washington, Theodore Roosevelt, and Enterprise. He finished his career in the Pentagon serving on the staff of the Secretary of the Navy, retiring in 2005, earned a Master's of Science in Business Management from Florida State University, and a Master of National security policy, and strategic studies from the Naval War College. During his military career, career, he accumulated over 3,600 flight hours and 1,000 carrier landings from the decks of 11 aircraft carriers. His personal decorations include the Bronze Star, the Air Medal with a Combat V, and two-strike flight Air Medals. Captain Miller, thanks for joining us on the Rob O'Donnell Show today.
1: Hey, thanks, Rob. Great to be with you again.
0: I, I didn't mention also the best-selling author of the Raven One Trilogy. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But right now, let's talk about air operations in the in the Middle East, the Red Sea specifically, the Mediterranean. We had two carrier strike groups there, um, the USS Ford and USS Eisenhower. I, is that unusual for this type of uh, for action over there?
1: It, it is unusual in recent years. Uh, we have had an aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean, uh, uh ever since uh, Russia moved into uh, Ukraine uh, but now with the uh, the, the unrest in uh, in Israel and the Middle East uh, we have uh, we, we kept Ford on uh, on an extended deployment extended her another two months to have a uh, carrier in the region while Eisenhower made her her normal uh, scheduled deployment uh, but Eisenhower now is uh, is in the Red Sea or the Gulf of Aden uh, in the vicinity of Yemen and uh, is uh, doing great work down there.
0: Yeah, put us in, uh, especially, you know, with the Ford there extended, being extended, I mean, I believe they were supposed to do a six- or eight-month tour, and it was extended two, two or four more months, I'm not sure, and, and then the Eisenhower there. Put us in a, in a squadron-ready room. What are these pilots doing day-to-day? Day? Uh, and we'll, we'll get to the air-to-air uh, kills in, in a moment, but what's what's their daily routine with, with this area being a hostile environment?
1: It's a great question. and in, in my career, every day was different. Uh, the, the flight schedule, you might fly uh, once a day and, and once at night or maybe twice in the day and, or maybe twice at night, and it's, it's different every day. But what they're doing is uh, uh, they are looking at the, the, uh, the area, the region. Are there any potential targets that they may have to strike? Uh, they, so they are, they are looking at that. They are studying their procedures, studying the weapons that they would be expected to use, uh, the, the enemy order of battle. And so uh, in the case of uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower now is in the vicinity of Yemen and uh, the Houthi rebels, and there's, uh, there's uh, hostile actions there. So they are, uh, they are looking at that, and uh, they're, they're ready for, for any tasking. Tasking can come down from above and in a matter of hours. The uh, the air wing and strike group can react to that.
0: All right. Well, which brings us to this this recent uh, incident um, where there were air to air kills by F eighteen Super Hornets for the first time since twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, I believe that was on on going into New Year's Eve uh, twelve thirty from uh, from the F eighteen squadrons that are on patrol there. Now they're up, they're patrolling, they're obviously armed, they're ready to go. Um, you, you can't tell when missiles are going to get fired or these uh, drones, attack drones, one-way attack drones, anti-ship ballistic missiles or land cruise missiles. Uh, so they have to be at the ready, I guess, at any time and prepared to, to take action.
1: That's correct. And they could have been airborne on patrol. They could have been on a combat air patrol station. Uh, they could have been on deck and in, in alert status. And, uh, and given the word to go, and, and within a matter of minutes, they're 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 shot off the front end, catapulted, uh, and and they'll they'll race to the to the scene of action. Uh, there is, uh, but but typically, uh, uh, carriers when they're at sea, they run cycles, and a number of day and a number of night cycles. And these these uh, these periods are roughly an hour and a half plus or minus. And uh, a bunch of airplanes will take off, and, and they'll they'll patrol and, and do their missions. They will come back, and uh, before they land, another dozen or so airplanes will take off and, and, and take over, if you will, and, and, and do their missions, um, it, and it changes every day. That That is the freedom of naval power. These ships can go anywhere in the world uh, outside a 12-mile limit from, from any country, and uh, as a former CNO once said, uh, no permission slip is required, and uh, these ships are there to – to um deter they are also uh, able to project power as required and everyone knows this our enemies are, are uh, take pause and our our friends are, are hardened by it
0: and with this type of incoming barrage, uh, one-way attack drones, which from from my understanding and speaking to Commander Kirk Leopold yesterday are very inexpensive munitions as far as our, our enemies shooting at us goes, uh, anti-ship ballistic missiles and land cruise missiles, uh, without giving, of course, any sensitive information, what kind of, of response would an F-18 have to uh, something coming at them or another ship such as that?
1: Rob, you had a, uh, a superb interview with uh, my shipmate Kirk Liphol, yesterday. Uh, very well done. Great questions, and, and he had superb answers as always. Uh, the, uh, the, the the weapons that the F/A-18 has, and, and first of all, it's the F/A-18E and F Super Hornet, uh, multi-role fighter. It, it, there are four squadrons aboard Dwight D Eisenhower. They uh, in the air-to-air role, they're going to carry the uh, AIM-9. Sidewinder, the uh, AIM-120 AMRAAM, that's Advanced Medium Range Air-to-Air Missile. So the Sidewinder is a heat-seeking missile typically used in a visual environment where you can, you can see uh, the, the target. A, uh, the radar-guided missile is typically uh, beyond visual range, so you see it on your radar. You can't see it with your naked eye, but uh, the, the, the missile is able to, uh, to prosecute the target, um, and also a, a gun. 20 millimeter cannon in the nose, and that's obviously for uh, for very close in. Um, we do not know yet uh, what type of weapon was used, but certainly the, the right one was. And uh, the, uh, the the pilots are, are there to um, they're going to answer the tasking. That they'll get uh, relayed to the E2 Hawkeye um, that is uh, doing the command and control. It's it's uh, essentially an airborne early warning aircraft that the carrier launches. Uh, the the quarterback of the air wing, if you will. Um, And then there's also the helicopters that, uh, that Dwight D. Eisenhower carries. And it carries two types, the MH-60 Romeo and MH-60 Sierra. Uh, The the other day from uh, USS Gravely and, uh, and Ike uh, Romeos uh, were able to engage the, the Houthi uh, boats that came out to harass shipping in 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 the Strait of Bab El The, the, um, the Houthis uh, fired on on the Americans, and uh, that uh, that triggered the uh, the ROE response. The Americans were able to uh, fire back, and uh, they used the the Hellfire guided. It's a laser guided missile. The, uh, the The missile goes off, and uh, and the aircrew uh, in the cockpit is to uh, keep a laser on the uh, on the target, and then they were able to uh, hit and destroy three of the four boats. Uh, the Romeos were the, um, the and the Yemenis have reported that and reported the, the loss of life. Another helicopter, a, a MH60 Sierra from Dwight D Eisenhower, was uh, entering the scene as the fourth boat left. So that means that uh, the rules of engagement to engage were were uh, were not met. You know the other boat is fleeing, so you're not gonna you're not gonna attack that. It is impressive to see the the level of training to. Uh, you know, This isn't something that you get a lot of training to do, but uh, it, it, is, it is part of it in scenarios like this. The helicopter crews prosecuting those, those boats with, with those weapons, very well done. The discipline uh, not to break ROE, and that's not a surprise to me, but I think it, it, it might be a, a surprise to, to many that, uh, hey, you see something, let's, let's go get it. No, you're, you're going to adhere to that, that uh, rules of engagement. So uh professionalism all the way around by the uh, the, the air wing team yeah and you
0: You bring up a good point in showing on 1216, the USS Kearney was engaged. On 1226, you had the USS Laboon and F 18s engaged. On 1228, you had the USS Mason engaged. And on the 30th, we had the the Gravely engaged with UH 60s from from both the carrier group and the Gravely. Now, from the 1216 incident, it's good to see that CENTCOM Navy Force Commander Vice Admiral Brad Cooper uh, went to the ship and gave uh, two Navy Commendation Medals. Uh, four Navy Achievement Medals, and gave the crew the combat action ribbon and the skipper a bronze star. Um, now, we know these things take time, and that was the first one again on twelve sixteen. Hopefully the USS Laboon, these F-18 pilots, the Mason and the Gravely, and the UH-60 pilots uh, get the same kind of recognition from CENTCOM leadership.
1: I have no doubt they will, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned those surface combatants. Uh, th- this, this is unprecedented action for a— uh, uh, a combatant like uh, Carney to engage a, uh, a uh, an anti-ship ballistic missile like this. That never happened before in history. So, again, you get training and in, in, in simulation, and and, uh, and and I'm not really sure what what type of live fire training that these ships get pre-deployment, but uh, they have engaged all these targets coming at them and and various targets. And there's these these high end ballistic missiles, and there's the – I would say the lower-end drones that are coming at them and, and handling all. And it's uh, – uh, it, again, the, the Americans uh, make it look easy. Uh, I assure you that is born out of, out of years of training, and, and this training takes money to, to get the, the human beings uh, up on the step like that and, of course, the, the equipment that they are operating to do that. We have our, our Navy is, uh, is around the world, uh, quite capable, but spread quite thin.
0: It is indeed. I'm speaking with Captain Kevin Miller, U.S. Navy retired, who's the former skipper of EFA-105, the Gunslingers. Uh, captain, can you hang on past the break? I want to talk about the USS Ford being replaced with the USS Baton and, and, and your trilogy of books, especially Fight, Fight. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 426, 29 degrees, and mostly sunny out there. Uh, we're back with Captain Kevin Miller, retired Navy captain, former skipper of EFA 105 Gunslingers, and the best selling author of the trilogy, Raven One. Captain, thanks for sticking with us. You bet, Rob. Uh, so the USS Ford is headed back to port, and we have the USS Baton, an LDH uh, that's in the area. What do we gain? What do we lose? Is this a seamless transition? I mean, I know the LDHs, the USS Baton. some of them know them as mini aircraft carriers, but they I don't believe they have a catapult system. You know, they do have attack helicopters, UH-60s, the tilt rotor Ospreys, F-35Bs, and I believe they still have Harriers. I'm not sure on that. But is is there a smooth transition? Do we gain anything? Do we lose anything?
1: They are different. Uh, uh, the Baton is not an aircraft carrier. It's uh, uh, characterized as an amphibious assault ship. but It is a quite capable ship with that Marine air wing, as he described. Uh, again, Marine Corps and Coast Guard, all, all part of naval aviation. Uh, those, uh, So the baton does have some tactical air power in the form of, of harriers or F-35 lightnings, whatever it's carrying. Um, but it does not have the, uh, the the punch of an aircraft carrier with the, the Super Hornets, with the, the early warning E-2, the airborne electronic attack of the EA-18G Growler, and and those, uh, those multi-mission helicopters, the Romeos and Sierras. Uh, so they they are different. Now, uh, you know our our ships they they deploy on a cycle, and, and you gotta send the ships back. The human beings have to get back. and and ships also need maintenance. So th- this is not unusual. Ford was extended two months, and, and now she's going to go home. Uh, she'll get some work done, and she'll be back later this year uh, on another scheduled deployment. Um but in the in the med, we have baton that has a capability, and it has a capability that uh, that Ford and Ike do not have. To, uh, to evacuate uh, American citizens if required, and that could be a, uh, you know evacuation that's, that's uh, under fire, and then go in there with, with those aircraft, the, those, those big Ospreys, and take a bunch of people while they're being covered by the other uh, uh, attack helicopters and, and, the, uh, and the attack aircraft. Um, if an aircraft carrier is needed in the MED or if uh, and if that an ship is needed in the Red Sea or, uh, Indian ocean, the ships can move and they can go through the Suez canal. It's roughly a thousand miles from, uh, one end of the Red Sea to another. It's going to take a couple days. And going through the canal, I've been there. I've been through that probably a dozen times in my career. And that, that's a, that's a day long experience, but it can be done. And, uh, and, and our ships are moved like that all the time and, and they're, they're free to do it. If, uh, and, and so that's, uh, you know, the, the, the commanders in the region have options, and they, they can uh, uh, use them as required.
0: And, and it brings up uh, one, one of the things that I spoke yesterday with Commander Leopold is about um, the fact that China is watching this. Now, in, in your best-selling trilogy of Raven 1— uh, in the third book, "Fight, Fight," uh, you get into the, the, the South China Sea and what's going on now. And and as I as I was preparing for today's interview, I saw that the U.S. Navy's Carrier Strike Group One, with the USS Carl Vinson, is in with the um, doing drills with the Philippines right now in the South China Sea.
1: Yes, uh, the the, the um, People's Republic of China about ten years ago started building islands on top of reefs. You know, these are these are pristine reefs. that are underwater. Maybe have a rock sticking up, but uh, they they pour dredge sand and, and have made islands now with with runways and capability and thousands of people living on them. And, and these are uh, this is a military uh, uh, capability that they have. I mean, and these these islands are 700 miles away from mainland China. And and so they just they just say that it's ours, and and uh, the international community does does not believe that's the case. And so the United States has, has been doing this for decades since really the, the entirety of the Cold War, certainly after the Korean War, just, just having regular deployments all over the world and, and running our, our ships through there. And this is freedom of navigation, and again, we are going to um, help our, our friends in the area, and any, anyone that wishes us well is, is going to see us, and they're going to think twice about starting something, but in my novel… Fight, fight! Uh, a spark happens, and uh, in, in human history, sparks often you know lead to conflagrations. Uh, World War One is an example, and uh, so in in my novel, a spark happens in in the South China Sea, and then it goes from there. So I just uh, I, I imagined how uh, both belligerents in this case, in in my fictional novel, would react to that. And and what I like to do with my novels, I like to write the human story. Of the the men and women that are on the tip of the spear, that are that are in the ready rooms and and on the the, the ship's bridges, you know, what is it like for them? And they are they're, they're being directed from Washington or, or elsewhere, but uh, the the human story is what I like to tell.
0: And you definitely put the person right in the cockpit. You know, as a as a as a parent of a naval aviator, and my naval aviator himself said, "You absolutely put the person there." And and I don't know if you're just clairvoyant with your books or just a darn good writer, but. You know, I, I'm just about finishing up Declared Hostile now, your second book, which talks about, you know, the Caribbean and South America, narcotics trafficking and such like that. And then you no know, sooner than I'm almost finishing the book, Venezuela is threatening to take over Guyana and parts of the area, parts of its waterways. And uh, now you have fight, fight, and you have the things going on in the South China Sea. It's just, uh, Where can people get your books so they can get get in the same cockpit that you've put me in?
1: Sure. Uh, they can go to Amazon and uh, and type in Raven 1 and it'll come up, uh, uh, and also on my website, Kevin Miller, author. Uh, those, those are two ways to get it.
0: And Captain Kevin Miller, appreciate you joining us and giving your insight today on this. Again, I implore all my listeners, go out and check out the Raven 1 trilogy. Kevin Miller, thank you for uh, giving us all the information that you've given us.
1: Hey, thank you, Rob. Great to be with you as always.
0: Thank you, my friend. Have a great day.